Give your Bible if you can stand with me this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. 1 Timothy 3, verse 1. This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Father, we love you today. Father, I realize this morning I am not worthy of this task. So, Lord, I pray that I would hide behind the cross. And, Lord, that I'd not be afraid to share the good word of my God. I pray, Lord, for my pastor friend, Brother Jerry MacArthur, God, as he preaches, that word will go out. Wherever God's word is going out today, may it have free course, speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You can be seated. You've probably forgotten, but last week we were in Colossians 3. We've been there for, I don't know, since Moses was a boy. Well, going back next week, so don't get excited, okay, or disappointed. But I began to thinking early this week, and I knew today was past appreciation. And I began to think about, and myself anyway, what a privilege I have to be a pastor. Paul is writing to a young preacher here, Timothy. And Paul has left him at Ephesus and set some things in order. And in verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul says to Timothy, this is a true, trustworthy saying. And he says, Timothy, if any man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. Now, the Greek word for a bishop there, it refers to a pastor, an elder, or anyone who is placed in a position of overseeing the work of God. And evidently, according to what Paul is saying here, there must have been a saying going around regarding church leadership. And Paul said, Timothy, I want you to know something. That statement is a true and trustworthy statement. It's good to desire to be a spiritual leader. And that word desire there means to set your heart on. But I must confess this morning... 31 years ago when I began the ministry here at our church, about four weeks before that, that was not my desire. I had served as deacon many years, and I'm not bragging, and God knows my heart, 
I served under three pastors and I run them all off. That's not true. But you can talk to any one of them today. And they've moved on to other churches. And if they would, if you were to ask them who was the best deacon they ever had, my name would come up. Because I've always believed that my job was to serve God in whatever capacity God chose me to do. But when our last pastor resigned, that's Brother Jerry MacArthur, one of the deacons at our church at that time called me and said, Brother Rollin, why don't you take over? My words to him were, you can't pay me enough to do that job. Because for many years I worked beside pastors and I and I saw their heartache. They would tell me things they could never tell the congregation and they knew I'd keep it to myself. And through the years I prayed and I agonized with them, tried to encourage them. And every once did I try to usurp my authority because my job was not to pastor the church. In fact, when Brother Jerry first came, the very first week he came to preach for us to, I guess, try out as a pastor. He called me later on in the afternoon. He said, Brother Rollin, why aren't you pastoring that church? I said, Brother Jerry, because God hasn't called me to it yet. And I meant that. But God spoke and I, I responded. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I started counting the days, the weeks. And before long, the weeks turned into months. And the months turned into years. And now 31 years have gone by. And I want to tell you, folks, it's been the joy of my life. And I better understand even now, 31 years later, what Paul meant when he said, when a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good work. And that's what I want to preach about a little while this morning. First of all, the joy of pastoring. And that's people. Do I have any people here this morning? Paul wrote to Church of Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Look what he says in verse 19 and 20. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. I love it when preachers ask a question and answer themselves. Paul asked a question. What is my hope? What is my joy? What is my crown of rejoicing? You know what Paul said? It's you. It's the people that I've been allowed to minister to. And you can't read that verse and see the love that Paul had for the people he served. 
And Paul uses the word hope. And he's describing his confidence in those believers. God had done a work in their lives. And then Paul used the word joy to describe how he felt on the inside. The joy he felt when he realized that one day he will witness those believers he won to Christ, presented to the Lord, and welcome home in heaven. That's his joy. That's my joy. And one of these days, we're all going to stand together before the Lord Jesus Christ at his second coming. And I can only imagine how we will rejoice with the believers who have come to faith through our testimony, through our ministry. And Paul says, I've got glory and you're my joy. And I think that was only not only inward, but also outward. It's people that make the ministry joyful. And here's what's interesting. Paul left no doubt how he felt about these new believers in Christ. His love for them bubbled over. It bubbled over into praise and joy to God for partnering with God for bringing the message of the gospel which brings eternal life. So the joy of pastoring is people. The second thing I want to mention real quick before this is my introduction, by the way. The struggle of pastoring. Read it for me. People. Wow. Someone once said, if it weren't for people, pastoring would be easy. Now, I realize how cute that is, but it's not really true. Because if I realized a long time ago, there's no you, there's no need of me. And God loves people. He loved Israel, the Jews. He loves you and I. But you and I know all of us can be difficult at times. And I do give God thanks today because through the years... I've only had to deal with a few people, probably less than a handful, who were negative moments all the time. I'm not sure they always meant to be that way. And maybe they didn't see themselves that way. But for whatever reason, they had the knack of taking the life out of the best situations. And i got to tell you, that's not always easy to deal with. Through the years, please don't do this to me, okay? Right before I get ready to preach, somebody say, Pastor, I need to see you at the church. Don't do that. Because you know what I'm thinking about? All the time I'm trying to preach? What did I do now? Did I offend him? Now, if you say, Pastor, I need to see you at the church. I want to give him a million dollars. Tell me that before I preach. Okay? 
But through the years, and it sucks the life out of you. Because you forget sometimes pastors are human as well. And they have feelings and they're concerned about their people. And by the way, I wouldn't give you two cents for a pastor who didn't care about his people. But then there were times that same person could flip a switch. And it offered you tremendous words of encouragement. And I've even had some of the negative ones at the end of the day with some of my best supporters. When it was crunch time. And to say the least, in spite of what people think, pastors work more than one hour a week. I remember when my niece visited him when she was four or five years old and she was with her grandmother and she said, Grandma, Uncle Ronald has the best job in the world. He only works one hour a week. <laughs> I can understand a five-year-old saying that. And I realize that being a pastor is hard work. It comes with a lot of hardships, disappointments, and a thousand reasons to quit. But I want to tell you something, folks. I've heard of pastors through the years since I've been pastoring, and I don't know how many have told me that every Sunday night they planned on resigning. God is my witness. I've never had that Sunday night yet. You know why? Because you've been good to me. God has been good to me. Every Sunday morning, Brother Rick brings my check, and he hands it to me. Just a couple weeks ago, I said, Rick, the church has been so good to me. And I'll never forget that. And I see so many pastors who get caught up in the negativity of ministry. And and, and I realize, and I've known some pastors that I've become close to through the years, and, and it appears that they have gotten more than their share of difficult times. And I can't say that. Because I've learned that as a pastor, and even our family, we have to look for the positive side of ministry. And we have to focus on the joys that come with it. I remember when I was praying about what God would have me to do. And, of course, Pam and I had talked about it. A mentor of mine, Pierce, feels in heaven now. Uh, we were close friends and brothers in Christ, close to that he would tell me what he thought. And my first pastor, when he resigned and went to mission work, he wanted me to become the pastor of the church even 10 years before I did. And and I went to Brother Fields. I said, Brother Fields, I don't think I'm ready. He said, you're not. <laughs> Didn't hurt my feelings. I just knew if I 
shared it with him, he would be honest with me. Fast forward 10 years, I called him one night. I said, Brother Fields, I believe that God is calling me to pastor the church. He said, so do I. <laughs> so I had that affirmation there. But I remember we, Pam and I talked about it, and I kind of, that kind of with Brother Fields kind of consolidated in my mind that, yes, this is what God wants. And So we were at the supper table one night, and we always tried to have supper with the whole family together. And uh, so Pam and I decided that night we're going to announce it to the boys. And I announced it. I said, "Fellows, we're going to we're going to become pastor of the church." And they got up and walked away from the table. They didn't say boo. They didn't say a word. And I thought, wow. I don't know what to think here. And I don't know how it finally came. About a year ago, I found out. They were afraid they got to move back in the parking over here. <laughs> and of course, we just built a brand new house. And, and of course, I know also as well, had it been in their mind, you know, and I don't know if they knew this fact or not, but at least 30 years ago, I'm sure it's not changed much, the average pastor only stays at the church three years. So I didn't know what to think then. And I thought, Lord, how in the world am I going to preach? Because a lot of times when I get there Sunday morning, I've told you all I know. And added some to it, right? But Rick, that song you're singing this morning, you preach Christ and him crucified and preach the word. So I want to tell you this morning, folks. There have been ups and downs, but I've never lost the joy of preaching and serving God's people. I remember the first time back from the COVID lockdown, when y'all began to walk back and I started crying. Because I thought, Lord, they won't come back. But you did. And you're here this morning. And I want to tell you, as a pastor, I've experienced joys that others in different vocations will never experience in their lives. So that's what I'm going to preach about for a little while this morning. The joy and the privilege of pastoring. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Notice this. To feed the church of God, which he has purchased with his own blood. One of the reasons, and there are many, that I haven't lost the joy of pastoring is that I have never forgotten I have a special calling from God. A special calling from God. God has called me to shepherd the flock which he purchased with his own blood. His precious blood. And I realize that God doesn't call every man to this vocation. Not every man has the privilege of holding the office of a pastor. And my friend, it is a privilege to be a pastor. It is a wonderful privilege. And I read in verse 1 of Timothy 3 a moment ago about a faithful trustworthy saying that one who desires the office of a bishop desires a good work. 
But later on in that chapter, and also in his letter to Titus, Paul gives some qualifications. And so God reserves the office of the pastor for those he calls and for those he qualifies. And so I stand here this morning, I can only be thankful for this awesome privilege when I consider such a high and holy calling that God has placed upon my life. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul said this, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled, notice says, me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And when I think about the fact, despite of who I was and who I am, despite of my unworthiness, when I realize that God is the one who placed me where I'm at, it brings a joy unspeakable into my life. And I am so thankful for the joy I have of participating in the work of God where all I can do is water and plant. But God brings the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, 7. So then, neither is he that plants anything, neither he that waters, but God that giveth the increase. For 31 years, I have never said, I have to. I have to pastor. But every week, in my mind, my mind says, thank you, Lord, that I get to pastor. It is the privilege of my life. So there's joy in the privilege of pastor. There's also joy in preaching the word. Make no mistake about it, Brother Marvin, you know what I'm talking about. Preaching the word is difficult. Now, we're not going to have Sunday night service and that we normally do. But at the end of service, Sunday night service, I'm done. It wears us out physically, emotionally, and mentally. But I love the wonderful task of preaching and teaching God's Word. And by the way, my job description includes communicating the Word of God to people. And that, that really comes with a twofold joy. Number one, the joy of reading and studying His Word. Now think about that. Jeremy and Jesse both took college classes and they had to pay to study God's Word. I get paid to do it. What a privilege. Now, by the way, I hope you know I don't study because I get paid. I study because God gave me a long time ago a love for His Word. 
And a man of God must love the word of God. And one of the great privileges of being a pastor, I have the opportunity of digging through the word of God. I have the wonderful opportunity of uncovering God's truths and growing close to him as God speaks to me through his word. So I have the joy of reading and studying his word. The second thing I have is the joy of preaching. It's one of the greatest joys a preacher can ever have. And I really thoroughly enjoy preaching the word of God. I enjoy watching your faces, whether you're awake or not. <laughs> I can see it on your face sometimes. You know, I've seen people, their eyes will light when God's word speaks to their heart. And I love to preach the word of God. And I live my life every day anticipating the joy of the Lord's day when I'm going to be able to preach my heart out and deliver God's message, I hope, in a way that's pleasing to Him. Ephesians 3, verse 8. Paul says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Colossians 1.28 Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Now think about this. Think about this. The joy is that I get to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, by the way, I don't get magazine articles or book articles. I preach God's Word. I can tell you a story another time. But I want to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. But there's also the joy that I can present every man or woman complete in Christ. Thank God for that opportunity. So the joy of preaching, thank God for it, but it's also the joy of a transformed life. And the greatest joy I have as a pastor is the salvation of souls through the preaching of the gospel. Toward the end of May, Ryan walked forward to give his life to Christ. Now, personally, Ryan, I think you did it before you came forward. You just made it official. But my friend, there's no greater joy than that. No greater joy than that. The second greatest joy is be baptized. Okay, that's coming soon. But no greater joy than that. And that's the highest calling we have as pastors. Presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. So anytime I preach, I ask God, bless your word. And bless it and lead souls to you, Lord, that they might come to know you as their Savior.
One soul saved and baptized is worth it all. It is worth it all. I've had the joy of seeing one of my brothers and sisters come to Christ many years ago before I got become a pastor. But my life had an impact on their lives. All three of our sons are serving the Lord. God's allowed me to impact their lives. I suppose one of the greatest joys I've had is the day I led my own mother to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So thank God he's allowed me to, to witness the impact of the gospel. But not only on to see people saved, but on the lives of believers as they grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. But still yet, other than salvation, there is no greater joy. If you're a student of the scripture, you'll know that in almost any letter any apostle would write, uh, they would refer to the joy they had seeing those believers grow in Christ in their faith. In 2 John 1 verse 4, John said this, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth, as we have received a commandment from the Father. Now, by the way, I am thankful that you care enough to, about your pastor to have a pastor appreciation day. But the best thing you can do for any pastor is to give yourself to the Lord. Follow him. Don't follow me. Follow him. And I find it kind of interesting reading what John said in Second John. Especially being a parent, we, we find joy in the growth of and as our children develop, pastors find joy in the spiritual growth of those to whom they minister to. Third John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. John says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that's in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in and by the way, John wasn't talking about his siblings, I mean his the children that he birthed in this world physically. He's talking about believers he won to Christ. Their spiritual growth. So my prayer is this that I would never forget how important my ministry is. Never forget the impact my ministry has on this church. And I want you to know, my focus is not on the church over there, over there, over there. My focus is here. My focus is you. My focus is on the people that God, by his grace, has allowed me to shepherd. The flock of God. So when you grow in Christ, I rejoice. I rejoice in your growth and your love for Christ and for one another.
the joy of preaching, the joy of a transformed life. But my friend, I love the joy of the church family. Now I've told you and I've told you and I've told you I don't like Dick Harvey. That has not changed. Are you listening to me, Dick? <laughs> but Dick and I talk often. And without fail, you know what he tells me, Pastor? I am so thankful for my church family. Do you realize we're a family? And I do love Brother Dick knows that. <laughs> and I, I got to tell you, folks, I delight in the people of God. I love our church family. I really do. Now, I got to tell you, a lot of church environments, uh, probably a lot of de- denomination would discourage pastors from getting too familiar or too involved personally with the congregation. And so they would encourage and teach pastors, uh, whatever you do, don't make close friends. And whatever you do, don't open up to church members. Now I realize that <clears throat> there are dangers in becoming too close to the members of, of the church. But you know what I found out? In my own physical family, there's danger to getting close. Amen. I gotta tell you, I got some weirdos in my family. And some of them think I'm the one that's weird, right? So there are dangers. Pam and I have been so blessed. We have, we were saved in this church many, many years ago. And, uh, early on in our salvation, in our walk with God, Pam and I considered our church family something we wanted to be involved with. And I know Pam didn't mean it like like it came out, but she called her mother one day and we had been saved for maybe almost a year. And she said to her mother, she said, Mom, if something would happen to Roland, she said, I probably wouldn't move back to Illinois. Because I've got a church family here. At the time, her mother wasn't saved, but she didn't quite understand that. So early on, the church became our family. And for those that would warn against becoming too close... I would say that contradicts the concept of a family. I gotta tell you, when you hurt, I hurt, I can't help it. And when I ask about you, it's not because I'm nosy, I care about you. I genuinely care about you. I don't know why that God has allowed me to be where I am. I remember many years ago in my ordination service, one of my former pastors said to me, he said, Brother Rollins, you've got a heart of a pastor that I've never had. 
I didn't tell him that. I don't, I don't mean to brag. We had a visitor a few weeks ago. He was here only one time and he came back to church and said, he said, Pastor, you've got a pastor's heart. And I want to tell you something, folks. That's not natural. It's a gift of God. And so when Pam and I decided early on the church is our family, when God called me into the ministry, that didn't change. That didn't change. I didn't want to be a professional minister. In fact, i got to confess, uh, I mean, for all those years, I was Brother Rollins. And it was hard for me to accept people call me a Pastor Rolland. I remember when Brother Greg and Sister Parrish first started attending our church. And they always, and they, to this day, they call me Pastor Rolland. They couldn't believe that people would call me Brother Rolland. To them, that was offensive, you know. And that, it doesn't matter to me. I counted privilege to be a servant of God. Because the church became our family years ago, and it still is. Some of you know Brother Roger Daniel. He's in Arkansas now. He's kind of semi-retired. He preaches a little bit here and there. But he also teaches a Bible class where he goes to church where his son is. <laughs> and I said, I suppose about, I don't know, 20 years ago, he said, Brother Rollins, when you die, they're going to bury you on the sidewalk of church. You are never leaving. <laughs> I don't know if that'd be true or not, but I guess he's right. I'm still here this many years later. But folks, we love you. And I realize that the debt I owe God is not payable. And if it was, it would be a cup of cold water. And if I can ever provide you a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, I will do that. <laughs> I have a pastor friend in Columbus, and some years ago he was telling me a little bit about a churchy pastor down south somewhere. I forget where it was at now. He said, Brother Ron, I got so bad. There were some days... I didn't want to go to church. So I didn't want to go, and I knew I had to because I was a pastor. But I want to tell you something, folks. There's not been a day, a Sunday go by, a Wednesday night go by, that Pam and I have not looked forward to going to church. And i got to tell you, I don't know how you can stay home. Not because of me, because God. Meeting together in this special way at a special time. We look forward to going to church. We look forward to being with our family, and you are our family, and we love you. And this is not just a church gathering. This is a family gathering, and we love you, and we care about you. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We are spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers in our congregation. And our goal from the very beginning of ministry was to Love all of our members the same. And to work hard at making each one of you feeling a part of our family. 
every once in a while I'll be talking to somebody that goes to church here and they'll say, well, your church. I don't tell you your church. They are church. This is our family. And so we've tried through the years to love you all the same. But I want you to realize, in turn, we have experienced love from you that is hard to describe and explain. But my friend, it is sweet to share. I have no complaints. I have none whatsoever. Because the joy that I have this morning, the joy in ministry, it comes from experiencing worship with you. It comes from sometimes experiencing and participating in social events with you. Our joy comes whenever we get a chance to interact with you. And not just here on Sunday mornings. Most Sundays, morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesdays, Pam and I are the last to leave the church. Not because we have to lock up. Usually Jason takes care of all that. Or Jesse or Jeremy. We're the last to leave because we fellowship with our church family. And I followed the advice of our first pastor, come early and stay late. Enjoy the fellowship together. And so through the years, I have come to appreciate how the Apostle Paul felt about the church where he ministered to. He felt a special love for them. And Paul experienced a special joy in their relationship. Look what he wrote, the church at Philippi. Therefore, my brethren, notice this, dearly beloved and long for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. This morning when Jesse made his ugly comments, I was reading what he was about ready to read. I didn't know he looked toward me. <laughs> but I'm there. I realize that. And the Bible says we're none of us guaranteed about tomorrow. But one thing I've noticed in my life The longer I have pastored the church, the more I love it. The more I love it. And the deeper my joy has become. And this, for me, 31 years of ministry, it's been a sweet and joyous journey. Now, Bob, this is not a resignation message either, okay? I'm just telling what God spoke to my heart about. The joy of pastoring. Well, I don't have time to do the one of impacting the world, but just last week, we took a week or two ago, I took the World Mission offering up. 
we have been privileged, Pam and I, to have missionaries in our home through the years, even before we became pastor. Uh, we've had that privilege of impacting the world. But let me summarize it real quick, okay? There are two ways to look at a glass with water in it, with a part of water in it. You can look at a glass and you can say it's half full with so much water missing. Or you can look at that glass and say it's half full with so much water in it. The same can be true for pastoring. I could choose to focus on what challenges my life, what is difficult. I could choose to focus on what little bit I've given up. But if I do that, I would lose the joy of ministry. Or I can look at all the great things, all the blessings that God has poured on my life through pastoring. And I can rejoice that God has given me so much. He has given me so much as I pass into the church of God that he purchased with his own blood. So church, I am forever grateful for the joy I have to serve in such an incredible vocation as a shepherd of God's Will you stand with me, please? I don't know where you are in your walk with God today, but know this. Jesus loves you more than I ever could. He died for your sins. And I realize that even as Christians, there's a danger you might lose the joy of your salvation. Don't do it. Don't do it. I would challenge you today to count your many blessings, to name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done in your life. I wonder if here this morning, if you're here, if you know for sure you're saved. Do you have the joy of the Lord down in your heart? Has your life been changed by the gospel of Christ? Are you living according to his word? If not, maybe you need to look at your life. I want you to know Jesus died for your sins. He loved you so much. He paid the price you couldn't pay. Come to him today. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you today for your word. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name.